Welcome to the Green Heart Living Podcast with your host, Elizabeth Hill. I'm very pleased to welcome Kevin Wilhelm, co-author of Redefining Masculinity on our show today. Hi, Kevin. How are you? Hey, I'm excited to be here. How are you, Liz? I'm doing great. Yeah, so I'd love to hear from you what inspired you to be part of this book collaboration. Well, I think you know the story. It's kind of kind of interesting and different, but I was on Facebook and noticed the post that you had made. Uh, and there were some images that really attracted my attention right away. And you were asking for feedback about the cover for this project that is now completed. And there were five different images. And I had a pretty strong reaction to to all of them. They were really nice images and you're professional. And, but two things screamed at me right away uh, that we really, with one exception, didn't see anybody's face. We saw a profile in one of the five. And that, again, with one exception, the men were alone. And so to me, it resonated that men should not be alone and we should not be hiding. We should be showing who we are. Then there was some commentary. And then you said, maybe you should think about contributing a chapter. And, and you know, I've never written anything professionally before. And I said, yeah, I'd like to do that. So really the topic resonated with me, the title. So the cover ended up being great. Yeah, we have a wonderful cover with one of the co-authors contributed a photo um, of his son and grandson, an intimate moment with the family, which is nice. And I'm so glad that you spoke up about the cover because, I mean, it helps me question just what I was coming into this project with too, as a woman, that I would create these covers where the men were alone you couldn't see who they were. And it made me, hey, you're doing the thing that we're trying to bust up. Most of the thread had women feedback and it was very interesting feedback. There were a lot of good back and forth. People were retreating it uh, with the care that it deserved, right? This, this topic and people have opinions, but I do think that those were sort of positive images in the sense that they were really well done. But to me, they just screamed like, man, that's just not the way we should be. So it inspired me. I'm glad we got you in on the book because your chapter is beautiful and I love that it's called The Heart you. and you share a lot about your journey and about your story, which is really nice. So I know we were talking a little bit before we got on the call about things that you wanted to share with the chapter. The main thing that I came away with was how you were talking about God and faith and how that has both influenced your vision of masculinity and how you do work in the world. Do you want to share a little bit about that with us? Yes, that was actually challenging for me because I had thought a lot about, and if you read the chapter, it's very clear I struggled with my identity as a man. And I didn't really relate it to faith or God or really with Jesus Christ as being the aspirational man until later in life, until I met my friend Pete, which kind of is the beginning of the chapter. And uh, he really led me down a path that has been very exciting. It, it took a while. It took several years. So I was doing pretty well with life. I, externally, I was doing pretty well. And I was relatively, I think, happy with uh, presenting myself as happy. But the identity as a man was just something that had always really challenged me. And it really took until I met my friend Pete when I turned 50. And shortly after that, really understood manhood from a faith-based perspective with Jesus Christ being the sort of the ultimate man in both representing vulnerability and compassion and empathy, the things that's part of my innate being, right? And mm -hmm. I was always considering myself weak in traditional masculine ways, but it's that vulnerability and openness and caring and compassion can be strengths. And so when I understood that and that those were sort of gifts from God and I could use those strengths to really influence other people, especially other men, it was really, really powerful and just life-changing. 
So I and tried I, to express that in a way that was sort of chronological. Which is nice. Yeah. One thing that really stood out to me, the first time I read your chapter and you wrote that the shortest scripture of all is Jesus wept. Jesus wept. And I just, oh man, that sent me over the edge. I started crying because I think there is, maybe this is just a cultural thing, but in my head, Christianity is like the man is in charge of things and he is like the rock and like all of this. But Jesus is very in touch with what people are feeling and expressing his emotions. Expressing, and he, right. Not, not afraid to express emotions in his case, always in a healthy way that we can only aspire to. Yeah, and, and I thought what was interesting, Liz, was that when I read all the chapters, and I knew they were going to be different, I was really excited by the different writing styles and the perspectives, but it did seem obvious to me that, and I like to oversimplify the world, just makes my brain function better, is that I think every single guy in their own way talked about the value of strength and the value of vulnerability, because that's actually how I would suggest my chapter really kind of unfolds, and they all did. And so that's really who men can be and should be. You can be strong and vulnerable. I was talking to you earlier about the way I kind of related that just recently, really, this is a relatively new thought in thinking about what we would talk about was that, you know, I grew up with my dad as the provider role and uh, my mom was working. And so they were both equally contributing, but still that stereotype of the men in the neighborhood, you know, we lived in a lower middle-class neighborhood and um, you know, all the men worked and most of the women stayed home and some, some women worked, but it was like, you're the provider. And that is actually like was the acceptable role. But I really started to think about the modern man, we can provide financially if that's our choice as a family. Let's say you're married with, with kids or without kids, you can choose to be the provider, but you can also choose to be the caring, emotionally supportive person. You could be the anchor emotionally uh, when needed, or, or maybe predominantly, but you certainly can be an anchor emotionally to support the family in addition to financially. And that's so important. And so I think, I think men have always had that capability or the capacity. It just wasn't recognized as a strength. So why don't we want our families to be as strong as they can be? And part of that strength is derived from men being emotionally open and caring and compassionate and vulnerable. But that is so fascinating because it would be interesting to learn about that in history, like when that splintering happened, because I think the provider role is not just bringing home a paycheck or having the money, right? Like it almost seems like a capitalist thing or, you know, something like that. There's probably a time in history when it became like a separate function. But when you can think of provider role of like creating this wonderful home and space Okay to bathe your children and hug your children and and you know it's okay to play dolls with your little girl yeah. I mean or and dolls with your little boy or whatever trucks with a little girl like it's it's okay to read you know whatever the interest is of your child or with your spouse and it's okay to uh, to sit down and uh, you know watch girly movies or romantic comedies with your spouse you're still a man you know it's like embrace it well, yeah I love that. And another thing I wanted to make sure we get to talk about was around mentorship, because I know that you do a lot of mentorship in your work. And I know that we were talking earlier about the title, not always being a fan of what we call it, but um, I'd love to hear your views on that and what you're up to. Yeah, I'm a little hesitant about the word mentor. To me, I think society tends to define it, or it's mostly implied that one person is pouring into another 100% and sort of teaching and there's a student and they're sort of at zero. It's like hundred percent to zero in terms of relationship. But I feel like I do a lot of informal mentoring. I certainly talk with a lot of people, especially a lot of guys. And the way I look at it is that we're always learning from each other, no matter what the, if there's an age gap or not. And sometimes there's a shift in who needs what. So 
the person who is in need needs me as the friend or the spouse or the family member to pour into them and to connect with them in ways that are meaningful and helpful. And so sometimes that relationship goes from like 80, 20 to 60, 40, and then it can flip. Then when I'm the person who needs to learn something or you know, needs to be comforted or, or whatever it is to have someone speak into or pour into my life. And it should shift and it should always be kind of evolving based upon what the needs are of the person. So it's rare that it's going to be 50-50. That's not a reasonable expectation in, in a marriage or any kind of friendship or 100% zero. So I think if we're open to sort of receiving constructive feedback and care from other people, again, it's never like 100% to zero. And I hope that we are open to both doing that and receiving that from another person. That's such an interesting thing to look at all kinds of relationships. How much are we, sometimes we might have times in our life where we just are more comfortable with the giving and not even open to the receiving, right? And then we might have other times that it feels fine to receive, but we can't give. So and it neither is right or wrong. It's just like, it's a place that we can expand our relationships and have our well-being. And uh, that's a really good point. You know, when you have someone, you know, like give an obvious example, someone who is is grieving or suffering depression for an extended period of time, you still can learn. Like there still could be gifts that people give you. And I have examples in my own mind right now of that even though they're mostly need you and are receiving, you could still learn from people who are really struggling significantly where the need is for you to pour into them. But we've got to be looking for that and looking for um, what I would say are sort of those you know, God moments that present themselves where you're like, you can have an aha moment too as you spend time with people who are truly struggling, even for an extended period of time. They have um, themselves to share. They still have insight to provide. They have gifts that they have been given that if you're looking for them, you could find them. Mm. Absolutely. And I know you're president of the United Way in Middletown and I did yeah. some work, you know, I worked in the Bristol United Way. And I know that I would see that repeatedly that often the volunteers that were coming because they wanted to be able to help and help people in need and they were able to help the people and they also received so much Absolutely. in that experience. The people that were open to that. Just that better to give than to receive, right? One of the classic verses for the Bible. No, I think certainly when you're giving, you're often uh, receiving something as well. It's good to be a giver, but you also, I think it's particularly men, you have to be open to receiving. And sometimes um, that's a struggle. Men might interpret that as a sign of weakness. Mm. to ask for help or to receive help when really it's a strength to be able to articulate that and have someone respond in a way that is helpful to you. Is there anything that we didn't get to that you want to make sure that you get to share with folks or any parting words? No, I just, I've told you before, it's, it really was such a positive experience. And so it was enough for me to write the chapter and, um, and I had a vision and a sense of what I wanted to convey. And that was really good enough to actually put all that to paper, that classic, you know, get it all out there. And I've also had uh, plenty of conversations and some feedback with some people about the chapter. And that's just all bonus stuff. So it just was a wonderful, wonderful um, experience to participate in and to get to know the other guys whom I didn't know at all. And to really understand that there are different paths to being a successful man in this day and age. There are many, many paths. Well, thank you so much for diving in and writing a chapter and connecting with the other authors as well. I know that a number of them have gotten a lot from connecting with you, so thank you. It's been fun. You're welcome. To find out more about Green Heart Living, visit us on our website, 
at www.greenheartliving.com and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash greenheartliving. This is a production of the LPL Podcast Network.